Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So we can come to a comfortable sitting position. And we can start out with the Anapanasati, concentration of the breath. Or sensation of the breath or sensation of the body. You can choose anywhere in the body. For example, the, the palms, the chest, belly, etc. Or sensation of the breath is the rim of the nostril above the upper lip or anywhere you feel the breath. If thoughts arise, come back to the breath. Just shift your resting place from the thoughts to the breath or sensation of the breath. Notice the gaps between the breath. There's a gap before the in-breath, after the in-breath, the gap before the out-breath, and after the out-breath. So each breath has a beginning and ending, and there's a gap before the beginning and after the ending. Notice it.
So the first part of the uh, meditation is anapanasati, concentration of the breath and sensation, and to rest in the sensation of the breath. You can either stay there or we can go to the second step, which is satipatthana, which is use the breath as a technique to awaken awareness. Who's, who's the one that aware of the breath? Notice in each breath, the object has a beginning and ending. Then, and the one who's aware, include the breath, yet more than the breath. The, the one who's aware also exists in the gap before the breath, during and after the breath. Notice the difference between the objects of awareness versus the awareness is itself. The objects of the breath, they keep changing in, out, in, out. Yet awareness is unchanging. to make it easier to differentiate between the object versus the awareness itself. I'm going to use the bell meditation, the big mind meditation, is focus on the sound.
in Anapanasati, we focus on the sound and we rest in the sound that forms the objects. Notice the difference. So, What's the difference between the object versus the awareness? For example, the sound, the object has non-existence, no sound right now. Distance, sound, and now non-existent, no sound. But if we shift our focus to awareness, now awareness, Existence, it awares of me talking. Existence again, it awares of the sounds of the bell. And now the bell's gone, but awareness is still here. It still hear me talking and hear the sounds of the birds outside, the cars outside. So we, in Satipatthana Sutra, we use these objects, the sounds, to awaken the awareness, the one who hears. So we have different sounds, but one awareness. So focus on the, on the change in sounds as the contrast make it easier to see the unchanging awareness. So we shift our resting place from the object to awareness to the one who knows, from the known to the one who knows. So object is that which is confined within the boundary of beginning and ending. 
and awareness is that which include the object yet exist before the beginning, during, and after the ending. So it's including the boundary yet more than the boundaries. So when, when we pay attention to something, notice the boundary of beginning and ending and rest in that which is more than the boundary. So thoughts are just like the sounds of the bell. Each thought has a form, just like the sound. It has a beginning and ending, just like the sound. If we can shift our resting place, if we can find awareness from the sounds to awareness, similarly, we can do the same from the thoughts to awareness. So that the thought is in me instead of I'm in the thought. If I'm in the thought, then I'm confined within the boundary of the thoughts. If the thought is in me, then I'm include the thought, yet I'm more than the thought. So each thought that comes is just like the sound. Yet the hearing capacity is, is that which is always more than the sound. So can you allow the thoughts to come and go in your consciousness? Yet resting in the consciousness it, itself. So in Anapanasati, we rest in the breath. So that thoughts don't take us here and there. In Satipatthana, Satipatthana, we embrace whatever arises, including the thoughts, to rest in this embracing capacity, the awareness itself.
or there to find freedom from thoughts. We can understand the thoughts. Thoughts can have uh, one of the three characteristics. It can be neutral, it can be pleasant or unpleasant. So we can work with the pleasant and unpleasant thoughts in our meditation. And we can understand the nature of the thoughts. So let's invite a pleasant thought into our consciousness. So we can imagine within the last few days, a few, few hours ago, that there's something pleasant, something that who you may have attract your attention and there's a clinging that may pull you away from your meditation. So let's invite that in. Notice this object, for example, for me is a chocolate ice cream. Notice that, or anything your favorite hobby or something that you like to think about. Let's invite that in to the form. Allow it to come in so that you can feel the effect of it in your body. Once you feel it in your body, now shift your attention from the thoughts, the object, from the ice cream to the sensation itself, the tingling, the sensation in the tongue, the saliva. Notice this boundary. It's concentrated in the mouth. But I'm more than the mouth, I'm the sensation from feet to head. So it's arising in me. but I'm more than that sensation. Notice the clinging to cling on to that pleasant. Where does it feel in the body? The clinging can be in the belly, the chest, the throat, any way that you feel 
notice it has a, a boundary too. It's localized in the particular section of the body. If I rest in the sensation, if if I'm identified with it, then it tells me what to do. But if I rest in the space, which includes the sensation, yet more than it, then I have a choice. I don't have to follow it. Continue to rest in this space surrounding the sensation, which includes the sensation, yet more than it. So the sensation in initially is in the tongue. It can come and go just like this. And then the clinging, I could feel a little bit in the belly, which come and go just like this second sound. But the awareness is like the hearing capacity. The one who hears this sound, it also knows the pleasant and the clinging to the pleasant. Rest in that awareness. Now we can practice the unpleasant sensation. So invite them in. Imagine within the last few days, few hours ago, something that caused an unpleasant sensation in you. Somebody said something, did something that create an unpleasant. So invite in the objects. Once you feel the sensation, now we can switch from the outer form to the inner form, from the person, the action, to the sensation itself. Where do you feel the unpleasant? 
for me is a tightness in the chest. So I shift from, somebody said something I didn't like to the tightness in the chest. Notice this boundary. Now notice the reactivities. How do I react when there's a tightness in the chest? Maybe a throbbing in the belly, the reaction. So first notice the tightness in the chest, the unpleasant, and then secondary notice the second arrow, which is the reactivities, the throbbing in the belly. Notice, notice the boundaries of both. Yet I'm more than those two boundaries. Rest in the awareness, the space surrounding it, the one that embraced those two sensations. So when we rest in awareness, in the consciousness, contents just come and go. We don't have to do anything. All we need to do is be patient, have a embracing quality, loving quality to it. In the spirit of loving quality, of loving awareness, things just come and go on their own and settle on their own. Just like the sound of the bell, it comes and goes and settles on each on its own. We can remain the conscious awareness, the one that knows the sound. In about a minute, we will shift, shift to the uh, discussion period. We still, when we, in the discussion, we can still pay attention to our sensation. The clouds may be different. The clouds of thoughts, the cloud of feeling, emotion may be different, but the sky of awareness still remains the same. 
So we can talk, we can share, and at the same time, in the background, we can be aware of whatever we, of whatever thoughts arise in the foreground. In the same way as we have practice here. Thank you for allowing me to share sitting practice with you. I really enjoy sharing and being your presence. Thank you. Now, uh, we're going to turn over to the discussion period. I would like to share, and I uh, would love to hear your sharing too. It can be related to the topic of sitting, topic of sharing, or any topic that you have experienced in your life. Anything and everything is all good. <laughs> um, so first, I like to discuss about the uh, what's the purpose of meditation. What what are we doing here? The the purpose is to find a technique to satisfy our deepest inner needs. What so? What is our deepest inner needs? Is freedom and happiness. Those are the two qualities. Whatever we do, ultimately, the uh, the goal is to find freedom and and be happy. That's no matter what culture, what country, what religion, whatever you do, are those two are now deepest inner needs, freedom and happiness. How do we find them? Is um, freedom and happiness are like our health. So health, we don't need to bring health in from outside. All we need to do is resolve the, uh, the disease that uh, we get, once we take the medication, we get treated for the uh, disease. Once the, the disease is gone, the health will automatically appear. So we're not trying to bring the health in. We just dissolve, allow the disease to dissolve it. We treat the disease. So similarly, we, we're not trying to find health and happiness, but we find out what's the obstacle that get in the way of our innate health and happiness, of our innate uh, happiness and freedom. What's get, what gets in the way? So when we sit, we notice the one that get in the way is our thoughts, emotion, feelings, our difficult emotion as we have, um, experience in us, the, even a pleasant sensation create a diff, difficult if we cling onto it or the unpleasant if we're trying to push it away. So the thing is to understand the nature of our difficult emotion. Only when we understand it, then we can find a way to work with it. 
to not feed energy into it because everything requires energy. And ultimately, we are the one that feed energy into it. And with, so we, if we understand it, we can cut off the, the fuel supply, the, the energy. And in that cutting off, it just dissolves on its own. Just like you have sit, you have experienced the, the sitting, uh, in, in the sitting, the pleasant and unpleasant, just come and go on their own. So what, how is, uh, so what is the characteristics of our suffering? So to, to understand the obstacle, we need to understand how those obstacles create suffering in us that prevent us from realizing our health and freedom. So what is the relationship between pain versus suffering? Because difficult emotions create pain, pain in the mind and pain in the body. So how does pain relate to suffering? Um, I have a, just a short, uh, I don't know if you can see it, uh, just a short e equation for uh, suffering. Suffering is equal to pain divided by consciousness. So suffering is a fraction. Uh, pain is the numerator and consciousness is the denominator. So if the denominator is constant, it's the same, then if you decrease pain, decrease the numerator, then you decrease the suffering. So that's how we usually do. So we can reduce pain. So there's two ways to reduce the fraction suffering. We can either reduce the numerator or we can increase the denominator. So let's talk about the first way is to reduce pain, reduce the numerator. And if we can reduce it, the numerator, then the suffering will reduce. If we can reduce pain, then the suffering will reduce. So how do we reduce pain? So we change the outer form. Uh, so if um, we're suffering because of, uh, things that do, do not uh, meet our standard, then we change to something else. And that something else may be better. Or we can reinterpret the pain. We can change our attitude towards the pain. And in that change in the attitude, the pain will decrease. The consciousness, uh, the, the pain level is still the same in the body, but our reactivity of the pain will be less if we change our um, attitude towards the pain, our interpretation towards the pain. So we change our interpretation. So we want to reduce the pain. And if the pain is reduced, the suffering will reduce. That's, that's the most common way of doing things is to, ch to change, to reduce the numerator. Or the second way is to increase the denominator. So pain is the same. We're not trying to reduce the pain. 
but we increase our consciousness. If we increase our consciousness, suffering will be reduced. So how do we increase it? Um, so that we are more than the pain. So if we are, if we, if our consciousness is small, then we inside the pain. Pain become a hundred percent of our consciousness. Uh, we confined in the boundary of the pain. Uh, for example, if pain, which caused depression, for example, depression or something that caused suffering, if this is depression and this is the um, tightness, uh, throbbing in the belly right here, or this is fear, uh, this is tightness in the chest right here. So if, if I identify with it, then I'm inside the depression, I'm depressed if I'm identified with it. So the practice is to increase the denominator, to increase consciousness is to embrace the pain, the, the, the throbbing in the belly and recognize that it has a beginning and ending just like in our sitting practice. And I'm, the consciousness already exists before the beginning, during and after the ending. So awareness is the one around here and the depressed and the throbbing belly is the object of awareness. So we embrace the object to realize the awareness itself, the, the, the consciousness. So in the Buddhist Suragama Sutra, consciousness is, um, has two characteristics. Number one, we're aware of it, of this one. We're aware of whatever arising, for example, the depression. We're aware of the throbbing in the belly. That's the first characteristic, be aware of it. And the second characteristic is to realize the empty space, the nothingness, the em emptiness surrounding it, the universal consciousness around it. And rest in that universal consciousness, which, which has both the empty space and that love and awareness, that embracing capacity. So, the technique is awareness, aware of the throbbing in the belly, but the end result is to rest in the universal wholeness. Whatever you're aware is the part, but the one who's aware is the whole. So to shift and rest in that wholeness. And in that resting of the wholeness, the pain's still there, but because the wholeness is so big, if the denominator is so big, then the whole fraction will reduce down, no matter how, big the pain is because we just extend out the denominator of consciousness to as big as possible. So the practice is to reduce suffering, um, to allow the obstacle to dissolve as a way to realize our innate nature and our freedom and happiness. Um, in the midst of the pain because we cannot avoid pain. But what we can do is to understand pain and work with pain and therefore affect the suffering and reduce the suffering. Um, the way to understand pain is to feel it in the body because only when you feel in the body can you feel that 
is tangible, that you can feel it. Because in the thought is intangible. It's very hard to feel. So shift from the thoughts to the body. And that's what we practice in the sitting meditation. And shift from the thought of ice chocolate ice cream to the sensation of the tongue. Only when it's tangible in the body, in the sensation, can I allow it to come and go on its own without being attached to it. Um, so that's our practice. Uh, either reduce the numerator or increase the denominator. Reduce the pain by changing this, the way we reinterpret it so that we don't proliferate more and more into our reactivities or increase the denominator, increase our consciousness. But in increasing consciousness, it's not like we step away from pain, but we come towards the pain. Because only when we embrace the pain can we know that we are more than the pain. I have to, this is the big Buddha embracing the small Buddha. <laughs> so when we embrace the pain is a small Buddha, when we embrace the pain, the one who embraces is the big Buddha. But the one who embraces actually formless. It extends out to infinity. But in our language, we need a form to talk. So yes, it's a form, but actually it's formless. So we bring loving awareness to whatever's arise, a form, the pain, to recognize that which is bigger than pain, the consciousness which is bigger. So this is the denominator. We embrace the numerator of the pain to recognize the denominator. And we rest in this embracing capacity, that loving awareness. In Vipassana, we talk a lot about embracing the pain, which is the technique. But they, they assume that you will know once you embrace the pain, you automatically We'll find out the formless awareness, the formless the, um, space, the emptiness. That's the goal. So they talk more about the first step, uh, uh, the first step, which is embracing loving awareness, embracing the pain. In Zen, they talk more about the second step, which is the end result. Rest in this loving capacity, rest in this spaces, emptiness. But actually, they go together. You embrace with love and awareness into, into the object in order to recognize the infinite space of universal consciousness, the love and awareness itself. Those two. The technique is to bring love into it, and the end result is to, to rest in this loving capacity, to this open space, to, to the emptiness. And once we rest in that, pain, suffering will be there. But it's in me instead of I'm in them. I'm big enough to include them yet more than them. And in that shifting of from the content to the this infinite container of space, I'm not feeding any energy into the pain. So they just come and go. I would love to hear how you deal with those pain challenges in everyday life or any topic that you like, anything that you shall help us because basically we are all one. 
your problem is also my problem because we experience the same. The outer form may be different, but the inner form is the same. And the way you solve your problem help me to solve my own problem too. So we all learn from each other. So whatever you share is all good. There's no such thing as bad sharing. <laughs> it's how, how we approach the things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So feel free to uh, unmute yourself if you want to share. We'd love to, love to hear from you. Thank you. Anybody? Hi. Um, Please. Hi, everyone. Um, thank you so much, uh, David, for leading the meditation and for your for your teachings. I'm, I'm really moved by your teaching today, and it resonates a lot. And it's um, it sounds familiar because I've heard you talk before, and um, you know, you go back to some of the same concepts and I really enjoy, enjoy that. And I, you know, I want to share regarding um, my relationship to pain as um, probably as many other humans is to, you know, have a, a sort of a knee jerk, a fix it now uh, reaction. And I've, you know, I've made some choices in, uh, life to increase my health and stuff, long-term choices, like, um, like I, I quit do doing certain things, including drinking and things that have really um, paid off and reduce pain. Um, but of course, their pain still arises. And, you know, one of the things lately that I discovered in that I use in trying to fix the pain is I got into, this is really the start before it gets out of control. I'll probably try to stop, but get, I got into supplements and things like that, trying to find what vitamin is going to fix this and what herb is going to fix that. And so it's like, sure, I'm not doing things like drinking to fix, you know, pain, but now I'm turning to supposedly the healthy things that are going to fix the pain. And, you know, it's, it, it gets to, um, complicated and I can see that it's a way to run away. Uh, so really to trust that by waiting and being patient and embracing that pain for a little longer, it, you will see its end and then you can rest in something bigger is key, but it's not easy. And I think for me, I'm working on faith, you know, the faith that if I just the tr trusting that if I sit with it a little longer, it's not, it, it's okay. I, I can embrace it. And so lately I'm trying to not, you know, look into all these um, vitamins and such anymore because I'd been feeling a little anxious about work and down. And I thought maybe I need some things to help with anxiety. And, and so by not, resorting to all these um, little fixes, I discovered that I'm okay to feel the anxiety. And I've just started to actually sleep a little more, have a better sleep schedule. And so I'm discovering a new, easier way to kind of balance uh, or, you know, 
deal with difficulties, anxiety. (laughs) That's all I'll share for now. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. (laughs) Thank you so much. In fact, you have hit the point for me and I think for many people here is that how do we deal with this? It's not easy uh, because we can't. Theory, we can talk about, but putting it into practice is something else, especially how do we allow it for it to dissolve. So first, to uh, understand, uh, we, we need to know the, the law of energy. Energy cannot, first, it's the uh, energy cannot be destroyed. It can only be transformed. So you cannot, whatever difficulty you have, you cannot just destroy it get rid of it, but you got to transform it into something positive. So the second law of energy is um, energy can, um, you cannot directly move energy, but you can move your place of self-identity and energy will follow that self-identity where you rest in. So for example, your difficulty is here. This is your difficulty. If you, if you think you're the doer of your difficulty, then you're feeding energy into it. It will not dissolve. It will not. Because if you're the doer, even though you're, you're suffering from that, uh, that, but if you're the doer of this, you're not going to, it, you keep feeding energy into it, even though it costs you suffering because it reinforced the ego identity. It reinforced me. Who am I without this difficult emotion? So, in meditation, we introduce love and awareness. The one who loves is this. So we embrace this. It's the first step. We use, usually love and awareness, we talk about it. But we, we don't talk about the second step but because it's implied. Because once you step, embrace this, the second step is to shift your rest in place from this, from the pain, into that which is more than pain. So if you don't shift your resting place, then you become the doer of the pain. Then you're feeding energy into it. But if you shift and rest in here, then you become the watcher of the pain. So it's, pain will only come and go when you shift from the doer to the watcher. So pain is the doing. The doing in itself is not the problem, but the doer is the problem. So when we reduce the numerator, we're trying to change the doing a little bit, reduce the doing. But sometimes it has its own limitation. So increasing denominator is when we shift from the doer of the pain to the watcher of the pain. But in daily life, when pain come up, it's like a 200, 200 pounds weight. We don't have the muscle to get ready to lift the 200 pounds weight. If we wait till the pain to come up, it's too late. 200 pounds, way too much for us. So we need to practice it daily, on a daily basis with the 20 pounds weight, 50 pounds weight, 100 pounds weight, so that we build up our muscles so that when they come up, we can lift the 200 pounds weight. So shift from the doer to the watcher in everything we do. When walking, if we... If we don't pay attention, then we become the walker. If we pay attention, then we become the watcher. So there's walking, but no walker. 
when we're breathing, there's breathing, but there's no breather with the watcher. When there's cooking, there's a cooking, but there's no cooker with the watcher. So we practice this uh, then in daily life, when pain come up, we can, are ready to do it. We're ready to uh, lift the 200 pounds weight. Because no matter how much pain you have and how much you want to get rid of it, you no, no matter how much suffering you have, if you don't recognize the watcher, you will cling on to pain. Because even though the suffering is unpleasant, but it re-identified the ego identity. It re-identified re the me, reinforced the me, me and mine. And that we have a constant innate uh, um, uh, habit in ourselves that whatever we do, we use it to reinforce this ego identity that I exist. So even though we may have a trauma, suffering, no matter how much we have, there's a tendency for us to cling on to that trauma, to that suffering, because it re-identified the me, the I, me, mine. So, and that's the doer. So we always reinforce the doer. So we use walking to reinforce the doer. So now change, change the habit. Use the walking to reinforce the watcher instead of the doer. Use the cooking to reinforce the watcher. Normally we use the cooking to reinforce the doer. So it's this, eventually with that practice, now use the depression to reinforce the watcher instead of reinforce the doer. But you got to do it in something simple, easy, the 20 pounds, the 50 pounds weight before you can lift the 500, the 200 pounds. The 20, the 50 pounds, not only the weight is less, but you got to do it constantly in everything you do to shift from the doer to the watcher. Yeah, I hope it helps. Thank you. <laughs> Anybody else? Yes. I appreciate the couple of different things. I, I like the equation that you put to put up. That was helpful to look at it in that way. And yeah, I'm I'm involved in a very intensive program right now that is requiring me to sit in front of a computer a lot <laughs> and uh, has been very uncomfortable and also doing a lot of reading which has been challenging and so I've had a lot of opportunities to practice <laughs> um, and um, just trying to keep with it um, it's just some yeah it's good to have some reinforcement to remember to practice and not to succumb to anxiety. Thank you so much. And even uh, anxiety is we use it to reinforce our ego too. Everything that's come up, we always use it to reinforce our self-identity. Who am I without my anxiety? Who am I without my trauma, without my difficult emotion? So, we always use whatever arises to reinforce me. I'm the one that's happened to me. That's me. That's me. So the practice, expectations I'm experiencing from this program or, or um, ego expectations yes. are also requirements in the program. <laughs> yes. How I interpret the requirements as well. So it's, it's an interesting mix. 
Yes, yes. So our practice is can we do both? So we need to we need to use the anxiety in our daily life because we cannot run away from our daily life. So practice become go into it, solve it, go into the anxiety and become one. And yet that's in the foreground and in the background, can you become the watcher at the same time? So the metaphor I think is easy to understand is like in, uh, in the theater, you have the drama on stage and then the audience. Can you step into the drama, play the role of the drama on stage and yet in the foreground and yet in the background become the audience at the same time? If you forget the audience, then you become the doer. If you remember the audience, then while jumping in and acting the drama, then you become an actor, an actress. So there's a big difference between an actor versus the doer. A doer is one who doesn't know the, forget the audience and he thinks this is real life. So the drama on stage become real and he or she react to that. But if you remember the audience, then you become an actor, actress. As, as an actor, you play the role, you're still anxious, you're still uh, desirous, you're still angry, depressed, but you know that it's just, it's only relatively real. It's not the absolute. You can play, you can be uh, anxious and then after you step out of the role, you're no longer anxious. In the midst of the anxiety, there's something that the wholeness in you, the audience in you that is beyond the anxious. And that beyond the anxiety is our ultimate refuge while working with the anxiety. So we're not trying to run away from anxiety. We're not trying to avoid anxiety, but we can, we can realize anxiety is a part of us, but there's a wholeness being that is beyond anxiety that include anxiety yet more than anxiety. And we can rest in that wholeness. And if you can imagine in your room right now, uh, there are forms, the furnitures are the forms. Those are your anxiety, your, your sofa is your anxiety, the chair is your anger, the uh, table is your desire. Those are forms, but there's also the formless space in the room that include the furniture yet more than the furniture. So our consciousness is like the space in the room. If you imagine the walls and the ceiling are extended out to infinity, then the space in the room become the space of the universe. So we embrace the furniture, the table, the chair, the sofa, to realize the space of the room and we rest in that space. So the first technique is to embrace the objects, the forms, and the second is to realize that you're more than the form, the space. Because when you embrace the sofa, the table, you notice the space between the, toba, the table and the sofa. And that space, it may eventually merge together and become the space of the whole room. Uh, I hope that helps. Oh, hi, uh, good morning. Uh, thanks for everything so far. Uh, beautiful um, 
So glad I dragged myself out of bed. So uh, kind of a little show and tell. Um, I've been doing more walking meditations lately, especially in nature. And uh, okay, so this image really caught my eye um, because you could see the stages of the impermanence in one picture. We've got the flower bud right here. We've got the beautiful bloom. I think it's a Gerber, uh, Gerber daisy, is that what it's called? And then the death. See? So uh, I liked that it was sort of all in one image. And when I, look at that when I'm out walking in nature, uh, it really helps me um, to just stay more mindful with the impermanence of all these forms in life. I mean, amidst so much change and uh, I know in my life, in some ways more than ever, the change that's happened in this last year. And so, um, yeah, I had the picture and then I looked at it later and even looking at the image, it just really, as David often talks about shifting from the doer to the watcher, it, it really just helped me shift my perspective. And instead of identifying with all these forms that are coming and going, I could really be more of the watcher. So I'm not so uh, attached and clinging and identify with the forms. So, um, uh then i was thinking um you know in some ways it's easier to do that when i'm out in nature it's easier to be mindful and present and be more the uh, observer the watcher but then i thought well maybe i i need to just do the walking meditations all day and night i'll get enlightened quicker <laughs> it's so much easier than everyday life <laughs> But um, it's, it's, it's just helpful. I, I find this yet another way, you know, David's always asking, what do we find that's helpful, helps us in our daily lives? So um, that was one of my recent uh, experiences. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, you explained it uh, from different perspective, which is more applicable in daily life uh, in terms of, like the flower can represent our, um, our relationship, our loved one who uh, come and go, who passed away, who or relationship can pass away, who, or our jobs, our financial, or our health come and go can pass away, just like the flower. But if we wait into daily life to deal with the breakup of the death of the loved one or the relationship or the financial, that's 200 pounds weight. That's way too much. We can't, it's very hard to do, to deal with it. So now we practice by lifting the 20 pounds, the 50 pounds weight every day. We go out, we see the impermanence of things that come and go. And in that scene, we keep reinforcing that. So we drop the ego identity because we don't cling the doer into it. Once we recognize that it comes and go, we don't put a doer and we say, it's I, me, mine, 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 mine. So once, uh, once we drop the doer, we only, that's the doing, that's a flower and it's 
manifestation and it drop back into non-manifestation, then, then we can accept it much easier. Yeah, so that's our practice. But when I practice fear arise, I'm a nobody. <laughs> when I'm a doer, at least I'm a somebody. Uh, uh, even my suffering, I'm still a somebody. So when with the practice, you will experience fear. That's what I experience. Because when I'm just saying, oh, that's a walk-in, but no walker, then my ego identity keeps asking, then who am I? <laughs> am I a nobody? And ultimately, our true self is, you can either call a nobody by resting in a formless space, or the wholeness, because it's the same thing. Wholeness or nobodyness. Because the space includes everything. The space of the room includes all the furniture, which is uh, uh, the universal whole, or you can see it as a nobodyness because it's space, it's not a form. Yeah, so with that practice, you will feel that in everything you do the impermanence in everything. Beautiful show. <laughs> Anybody else? We'd love to hear you, your sharing. We all learn from you, just like what we learn from. Hey, David and everybody. Yes. So I'm hesitant to share because I feel like I'm still not fully grasping all the techniques and being able to do it uh, or do a whole lot of practice. But just uh, really appreciate the concepts that you're sharing, and then uh, even at a very, very uh, basic level, I, I think uh, you know, like when you talk about applying to real life. Uh, even I was just thinking yesterday. I was thinking this thought that that talking to a friend that um, you know. So as an example, that let's say. If, I have a difficult boss or a boss who is not, who is very critical, et cetera, et cetera. That in the past, that used to cause initially, uh, he's only being my boss for about six months or so. Initially, it was quite a bit of adjustment and uh, caused some distress. But I think over time, I, you know, as I learned to, that there's so much more uh, uh, things that are more important than focusing my attention on that that there's much more things that are more worthwhile, more valuable to focus and to do while I have the opportunity to do at work or to, uh, or even outside of work in terms of whatever uh, projects that I think are important to support. Or uh, So when I, when I think of life is much bigger than, let's say, my, my struggle or not necessarily even struggle, just the, the whatever the difficulties around the experience with my boss, then um, then it becomes, it's like what you're saying about the denominator, it become larger. So then uh, that become a small part of my overall life experience. Uh, I know it's in the, in the midst of it, initially it was difficult because you're kind of grappling with it and, and it's stressful. But over time, I, I don't know, maybe because fortunately to be able to have other things that I, I, I consider to be worthwhile and valuable and I can devote my energy on. And, uh, and I don't want to, uh, you know, I think life is short, like India says, is uh, permanent. And, uh, you know, I want to focus on what the things that really count. <laughs> and, and so I don't want to spend 
feeding to so much energy of this certain things that causes distress, but to 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 think of the things that I can still devote my energy on that will bring more reward overall uh, in the grand scheme of things. So, thank you. Brought up a good point in that. Um, whatever is, is in the four foundation of mindfulness you've been you've been practicing um, thoughts they proliferate uh, we have so that's why so if pain level is five thoughts proliferate to ten so we in the four foundation of mindfulness we shift from the thoughts to the sensation itself so to deal with only five and in that dealing with only five, it's easier to drop it. It's easier to uh, to be more than it. So um, we focus. We when whenever something arises, our judgment against somebody, we shift from that judgment, that thought, to the body sensation, because just a thought is a pain plus proliferation. So it's very hard to deal with the pain and proliferation. It's much easier to deal with the pain only. It's core, it's um, raw core sensation because then it's only five. So we shift from the thought, which is in the pain plus proliferation, the add-on. We shift from the thought to the body sensation and just deal with the core, the raw, sensation and that you see that is you're more than that you're like the third party who watched yourself and become the third party who watched david and david reactions still come up my condition david's conditioning still come up but since i'm the third party i'm more than david i can watch david and in that watching david i have the clear scene i don't have to follow david's conditioning and that clear scene is my ultimate freedom because I don't have, I'm not confined within David's. David conditioning is like a prison. If without awareness, I'm become confined in that boundary of the prison, which is I'm the prisoner. But if I'm become the third party, which is what awareness teaches, that I include the prison yet I'm more, I become the prison employee. The prison is still there. The prison of conditioning is still there. But as a prison employee, I can step in the prison and step out. I can step into my conditioning, play that role, or I can step out. And in that stepping out is the freedom. So it's the same prison. But for a prisoner, that is a place of bondage. But for a prison employee, that's a place of employment. That's a place of where you get your paycheck. So we're not trying to change the prison, but we are increasing the consciousness so that we know that we are more than that prison. And when we know that we are more, we have the clear scene of that prison employee who can see the prison more than just a place of bondage, who can see my conditioning, David's conditioning is more than a place of bondage because now, now I have a choice to follow it or not following it. But only if I'm bigger than it, do I have that choice? So do, our practice is to find something bigger than just conditioning. And if to find something bigger, 
shift from the thoughts, the proliferation, the pain and proliferation to just the raw pain only. And that, and when we embrace the raw pain, now it's much easier to find the third party, the the universal cosmic consciousness. That third party is where the clear seeing is. Thank you for sharing, Derek. I love to hear from some somebody else, please. <laughs> um, it seems that uh, aversion to the pain makes the pain worse, or or it gives it energy. Um, I've I've noticed that uh, on occasion when I have pain and I actually go into the pain with bare awareness. It's not a solid thing. It moves, it changes, it's lots of, you know, it's a sensation here, there's heat here, there's, you know, and it's it's an interesting object to pay attention to. And it, just, it seems like the intensity decreases the more you go into it uh, and the more you let go of the aversion. Thank you. Uh -huh. Oh, I'm sorry. You uh, finished. Is that something you've noticed as well that the the uh, aversion to things increases the uh, the severity or the intensity of the pain? Uh, maybe I can use one of the minor yoga posts to demonstrate so that we can all feel experience it in our body. The same thing. Is that is that okay? So you can sit uh, on the chair, but maybe you hold on to both hands to the chair uh, when, when we move it. So first, the four foundation of mindfulness. Uh, the first foundation is the baseline. So feel into the, feel into the body, the whole body. Uh, uh, when there's no, uh, in, it's the neutral sensation from feet to head, head to feet. So this is the body scan, body scan. So the baseline, so whatever is different than the baseline become the visitor that we pay attention to. Because if it's different than baseline, it can be either pleasant or unpleasant, then it then it will cling, we will either cling to it or trying to aversion, trying to push it away. So first we establish the baseline, uh, the neutral sensation. That's the first foundation, mindfulness of the body. Okay, uh, second foundation, mindfulness of the sensation. So you can either sit on a chair or you can sit on the ground. Uh, up to you is, let's see. This is the yoga book post. You can, uh, you can uh, bend your knees, make it easier, and you lift either one leg or both legs up at the same time. If you do on the chair and you find unbalanced balance, please uh, come down onto the floor. But we, I want to experience it and speak from your experience rather than from the language of the head. So lift up both legs and we hold it. Now we feel the sensation of the body. 
the se uh, sensation of the belly. We notice the uh, the sensation. Number one, notice the sensation. Number two, notice the nature of the sensation, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant. It's not pleasant. <laughs> If you are an expert yogi, yogini, yoga, then you have to hold longer to feel the nature of sensation. But for many for people like me, I can feel unpleasant right away. Uh, so slowly coming down. So that's the that's the second foundation of mindfulness is to feel into the sensation, the raw sensation. Uh, first. Uh, a foundation is the baseline. Second is that which is deviate from the baseline, the sensation that deviate, deviate from the baseline. That's what we got to know the baseline in order to know what is different than the baseline to know the deviation. Because we only the because the deviation is what causes us to react. Okay, the third foundation of mindfulness is mindful of the thought. So remember, thought is sensation plus proliferation the add-on that we put in. So let's come up again and we hold. Now notice the thoughts, notice the proliferation. So first notice this, the second foundation, which is uh, the, uh, of the tightness of the, the belly. And then notice is aversion uh, to the unpleasant sensation. That's the, the second foundation. Now the third foundation is the proliferation of the thoughts, the add-on. What does it say? David, I'm here to enjoy the sitting practice. Why are you making us suffering? <laughs> That's the proliferation. <laughs> the add-on, your add-on. Yeah, That's the third foundation of mindfulness. Now coming back. So you notice the difference between the second and the third foundation? The second is only raw value. The third foundation is the add-on proliferation. You have to see the proliferation when it comes up. Yeah. And the fourth, uh, so so we that's why we shift from the third foundation to the second foundation in order to drop the, the, the unpleasant or the pleasant, to drop the, uh, the reactivity. So the fourth foundation is... We synchronize with the breath. Out breath, we lift up the leg. In breath, we put it down. Out, in. So notice the changing in sensation. So out, unpleasant, in, pleasant. Out, unpleasant, in, neutral or pleasant. So either however you feel. Out, unpleasant. In pleasant. So the fourth foundation is the the dharma, the uh, impermanence, uh, impermanence and non-self, which means I'm more than the pleasant and unpleasant. That's what says non-self. I don't make a doer. Uh, see, when when I pick, make a self, I'm saying I'm feeling pleasant, unpleasant. I'm feeling unpleasant, uh, pleasant. I'm unpleasant. I'm pleasant. That's the making a self out of it. You make a doer out of it. But now, notice you rest in the formless space, the embracing capacity, 
Now there's just only unpleasant, just only pleasant. So there's no I involved. Just only unpleasant, just only pleasant. So we drop the I, but the way to drop the I, the doer, is to, uh, to go into it. When you go into it, then you go beyond. But if you don't go into it, then you choose a white uh, cloud over the black cloud. You choose a pleasant, you choose a thought of what is right over a thought of what you don't think is right. So, so you still use part of the mind, one part of the mind to tell the other part to change. So you, uh, whatever you embrace, you're more than it. This is the picture of the cloud and sky. Whatever you embrace the cloud, you you more that you become the sky. But if you're trying to change it, if you're not trying to go into the cloud, then you become another cloud. Then you rest in another cloud. So it's our normal habit to go into another cloud so that we could fix this cloud. But in, in the four foundation of mindfulness, if you practice, you realize that the only way to go to go out of it to go, is to go in. You go into it with loving awareness in order to recognize that you're more than that loving, what, the object of love. And so going to that, the yoga pose, the boat pose, going to the tightness of the belly, uh, the pain in the belly in order to realize that number one, to drop the proliferation and number two is that it's just pain. It's not David's pain, but it's just pain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and we go into something that's simple first, uh, easy first in daily life. Then, in, in, uh, then when the situation come up, we're ready to deal with the bigger, bigger pain. Have I answered that? Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> One last question. Anybody else would like to share? No? Okay, then we can just sit for about two few minutes, two, three minutes, and then we end the session. Is that okay? So our technique is to find the universal wholeness. And universal wholeness has the main characteristic is love, love and awareness. So whatever we love, the parts, the one who loves becomes the whole. We cannot directly go straight into the whole because it's formless. So we just love whatever parts that come up in our consciousness. And rest in just loving awareness. So at the end of the practice, we dedicate this, the merit of our practice to our being, to everyone, your beloved, your 
family, your friends, and then extend it out to your neighbors, community, and our being. Thank you for allowing me to share the practice with you. Thank you. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.